So I'm going to ask this of you. I've shared this with you, and I'm not. I'm asking you this: Do not go out in the world and start trying to tell people what you heard me say, because you won't say it right, and you could add to the old energy as you speak it, and feed something Saudi. God will come in and assist you in coming out. But be prepared. Be prepared to be an instrument of love. There may be a few things in your way of living, in your way of thinking, in your way of feeling that may have to change, that may have to drop away in order for you to truly be an instrument of loving in the world. So be aware that as you ask, so shall you receive, and along with the receiving comes change. Change in your attitude, change in the way you are, who you are, how you are, so that the true loving can live through you. The true peace can live in you. And the true joy can be expressed in you, around you, in all ways. And in order for that purity of spirit to live and dwell within you, there are things that will have to drop away. And so if you ask to be an instrument of anything for God, be aware that that may happen. And be willing to go through that transformation that God will bring forward for you to go through. Now, the easiest way for anything like that to happen is to once again meditate every day. In meditation, you bring about transformation in your consciousness, transformation in your knowing and understanding, and bring about a quieting so that automatically as you move into the greater loving, as you move into the greater peace that is in the inner kingdom and live in that, all else will drop away that is not in harmony with that. And then it's up to you to let it go just to let it go. I can remember so many times as a t child and as a teenager in my prayers, asking God, talking to God, pr praying with God, sharing with God, loving God. And as I would do so, I would see things in my consciousness begin to move out. And I would get upset because those were things I thought were a part of me that I needed. <laughs> and I would try to grab on to them and try to bring them back. And I would complain to God, where are you taking that? Why is it going away? My mom just taught me that. And, but it would go away. 
it would disappear. And I couldn't hold on to it. I couldn't bring it back. And one time I remember I did bring it back and I had no place to put it. It didn't fit anymore. There was a nice big hole somewhere in my consciousness that it came out of. And when I grabbed it and I tried to put it back, it didn't fit. There was no hole there anymore. Something else had filled in that space. So I finally had to let go of it because I couldn't hold on to it. It wouldn't work out here in my hand. It had to fit here to work. So I finally did let go of it. And I learned in that process that we believe who we are. And we struggle to hold on to that belief system. And that's not who we are. We are something totally different than what we believe. And if we will just let go of all those beliefs and let them just drop away, what will remain will be the purest of spirit, the purest of being, that which is loving, that which is soul and spirit within us. And then it's up to us to fill that out, to fill it out with how we want to live into it and live it into the world. But first it takes place inside. And so many times what people do is they get this itch to be spiritual and they immediately get up off their duff and go out in the world and try to prove to the world that they're spiritual by all the things that they can do or are doing in the world that they think look spiritual. And in truth, all they're doing is promoting their own weakness, their own limitation, and not allowing the spirit of the divine in them to really come forward. But if we will sit down and just be quiet, and in that quiet wake up into the knowing of who we truly are, loving, spiritual being, all else will drop away, and we will reside in peace, in loving, in caring, in harmony, and then can take that out into the world, and the world will just transform around us. We will have to do very little, if anything, to assist it. It will happen automatically. Have you ever walked into an office where people have been bickering, really upset and angry with each other, but they are no longer saying words? It's now just the, the, the daggers going across the room? And you walk in and you get stuck a few times with a couple of daggers as they fly by. And you immediately walk out of the room going, don't go in there, don't go in there, danger, danger. What is that? <coughs> That's a living consciousness that people are living in themselves and promoting into their environment. And others are affected by that. You're affected by it, others are affected by that. So it is if you are living in your loving and in your peace and joy. Wherever you go in that consciousness, people are also going to be affected by that. Now, what could that look like? Well, you could go into the office where they've been fighting and everything will calm down. The energy will become still and quiet and the daggers will fall to the floor and they'll look at each other and they'll be trying to throw daggers at each other but nothing flies because loving now resides in the room. And one may choose to move into forgiveness and acceptance of the other while the other may 
still be in their belligerence and they'll leave the room in anger because they're not winning. They can't, they can't have an effect on the people in the room like they thought they could. And that's what I found in my own life. If I live in the stillness, if I live in the loving and allow that loving to just live and dwell within me and around me, I'm going to draw other like people to me and I can have a more harmonious and peaceful life and environment. And those people that do not want to live in that, they're going to run, they're going to flee from me because they can't have their way, they can't put things upon me, and I'm not going to choose to live their consciousness, their way. And so they're going to go to like mind, like energy, and dwell elsewhere. Well, that's fine with me because I don't want to live in that conflict and I don't want people trying to put things upon me. So that's fine. The more people that are out in the world living in peace and love and joy, living the inner kingdom first and carrying that out into the world, the more the planet can begin to step forward into this new way. And so, as I share tonight, I shared this with you to inspire you, that you might sit down, go within, meditate, connect into that which is your own soul, your own spirit of loving, and then live that into the day. Become a living meditation. Become a living prayer. Take it into every part of your day. Let your breath be filled with the blessings of God so that as you breathe out, that blessing goes into the environment and when others breathe it in, they don't have any choice but to take some of the blessing in with it. And that can have an impact on them. You can sit and be working on your computer or doing whatever it is you do and at the same time, the environment that you promote in and around you will have an effect on all those that are nearby. I've witnessed that. I know a lady who's a dental hygienist. She meditates every day. And she kids around and plays around with her patients when they come in to have their teeth cleaned and have x-rays taken. And it's just a very loving essence in what she does. And her patients love her. And when they call in to get a cleaning, they will not do it with anybody but with her. And they don't know why, but they've got to have her. And there's three other people in the office that also are dental hygienists and could do their cleaning. But they'll wait an extra five months to get their teeth cleaned to be with her because she's so booked up. But I'll wait. That's okay. I'll wait. And... The receptionist is always amazed at how much everybody wants this one woman and the other three are going, I'll take them, I'll take them. But it's because she lives her meditation into her day. She meditates every morning, she goes to work, and she continues to live in that meditation, and it has an impact on everybody that she touches, everybody she's with. She doesn't say anything about spirit, about God, about loving, about forgiveness, about meditation or anything. She just plays around, cleans their teeth, listens to what they have to say, and they're gone. But when they leave, they leave with a quality of peace, an essence of joy and loving 
that goes with them as a blessing because they were with her. And she is a blessing. And we all are blessings, but we don't know it. Most of us are too busy damning the world and damning ourselves and we block the flow of the blessing that we truly are. If we will stop damning the world and damning ourselves, stop judging ourselves and stop judging others, move into acceptance and move into loving and move into forgiveness with ourselves and others, then we truly become the blessing that we are. And that blessing does bless everyone and everything that we touch. And we don't even have to think about it. It just is automatic. It is automatic. Because blessings flow easily and freely to all. Now whether all are willing to receive of it is another story. What can happen are two things. Actually several things, but I'll point out two. I don't want to go into the whole long list. <laughs> I said two and then I saw like five or six other things, but I'll do two. One is that a person can be very receptive to the blessing. And that receptivity could look as a longing for change in their life. A longing for God. A longing for loving. They may have been praying for a long time for something different. And that blessing that comes from you to them goes in and begins to answer to that call, to that prayer, to that longing. And as long as they live in that prayer or that call or that longing, that blessing continues to dwell with them and to enhance and serve them so that they begin to move towards being the blessing themselves that they are. To live in that rather than the old way. And... What's wonderful is, is if they will then choose back into the blessing that has been placed with them, God begins to feed them through that blessing that has been placed with them. The other is that they may not be receptive to the blessing right now. So they may be truly closed and not willing to participate or partake of the blessing that is there for them. But what then happens is the blessing still remains with them anyway. But it remains, in a sense, in a dormant state. It stays with them until finally they go, I give up, Lord, what do you want? Or what do I do? Or they open up and just ask. And then the blessing comes in. It revitalizes, it comes in, and it begins to assist them. This is also called Placing the light with somebody. Praying for somebody will do this action. Asking God to bless them. Asking God to help them. Asking God to heal them. Well, why didn't they get well? I, I asked God, and I'm sure God would have done it. Well, maybe they weren't willing to receive it right now. But maybe that same light that you placed with them as a prayerful act will someday come alive in their consciousness and heal them in another way. Maybe not in the illness that you were praying for, but maybe the healing will take place in a different way. Oftentimes, when I was a child and I would watch it in people's auras, I would see what I, I used to call balloons. I used to think that 
people, not everybody, but some people had balloons in their auras. And, of course, I didn't know what auras were. I just called it in their, in their colors that they had these big balloons and their colors around them. And I would watch these people, and they would walk around, and sometimes the balloons were way, way, way out. And sometimes they were little balloons, and sometimes they were big balloons, but they would be way off in the distance. And other times, some people would actually have the balloons where they were kind of like coming into their head or kind of like like they were sticking their head into the balloon kind of thing. <laughs> and they would be bigger balloons when that was happening. And I would watch once in a while, and these balloons would be moving in their aura, and sometimes they'd even bounce against their head and then bounce back. And, and I thought, for a long time I'd look at that, and I never understood what those were. Until one day, we were at a hospital. My mom had cancer a number of years, from 1955 and, and until 1979. And then she died in 81, but she was cancer-free at that moment. And 19, yeah, 1981. And um, um, so I watched her go through many different surgeries and treatments and all this. And we were in the hospital one time. I think I was probably about eight or nine years old. And... and um, there was a woman that was in her room with her. And she also had cancer and was, was very ill. And I remember uh, sitting there with my mom, and uh, my mom was talking to my dad. And so I was praying for, the, for my mother, and I was praying for this lady that was there. And all of a sudden, I saw a balloon appear in her aura, you know, in her colors. And I went, where did that come from? You know, and, I, and somehow I connected the dot. I thought... I was praying for her, and this balloon happened. So I thought, well, I'll do that again. <laughs> so I said another prayer, and another balloon appeared. And I went, oh, my God. So I turned to my dad, and I said a little prayer for him, and there was a balloon. And I went, oh, my God, those are prayers. And so I watched, and my dad, his prayer came on into him and kind of rested near his cheek. And it kind of caressed him a little bit, and then it went back out here. The woman that I prayed for who had cancer in the bed next to my mom, they hung in her aura, and one settled down onto her left shoulder, and the other one kind of hovered higher up in her, in her colors. And I have no idea what that was all about, but I knew I was witnessing something having to do with prayer. And so from then on, I would, I would go and I would walk in school, and I'd sit in school, and I'd pray for everybody <laughs> in my classroom to watch these balloons pop up. <laughs> Until one day I was praying for this one kid that was in our room, and I couldn't get a balloon to come up in his aura no matter what I did. And I thought that was so strange. I couldn't get the balloon. And I thought somehow I had the power to make these balloons happen because they always happen every time I prayed for somebody. So... I got upset because I couldn't make it happen. And I looked, and I waited, and I tried, and nothing happened. So uh, three weeks later, he died. He died very unexpectedly in a, in a car accident. And I always wondered if, and I still don't know. They've never told me. I've asked. But they've never told me. But I wondered if he didn't need the prayer, he didn't need that blessing, that whatever was happening was already laid out for him, 
and that it wasn't for me to interfere in any way with his destiny. That's the only thing I can think of. And it makes sense to me, so that's how he answered it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so go around. Even if you can't see him or feel him or know him that, as, as being there, go around and put some balloons in people's auras anyway. Be a blessing to them. And plant blessings in them, with them, for them, so that they, in their own time, will receive those blessings. And you may never witness it. It may be ten years from now. And they may be living in, in who knows where in the world. Maybe next door and maybe in New York City. But when it's time, when it's right, that blessing will come present in their consciousness and begin to work with them, to serve them and to wake them up into the greater goodness of their own being. And it will happen. The thing I would say is this. Don't put your willfulness on it. Don't say, I want this to happen. This has got to be for them. But rather say, Lord, bless them. Lord, bring forward your healing however you wish it to be for them. Lord, I place the light with them at this time for their highest good. You know, whatever that might be. That's loving and that's neutral. And that's allowing then their spirit, their soul, and God to participate in the process that they are in to bring them into their own fullness. So I would just invite you to realize that if you want to bring about change in the world, do your meditation, be a living prayer, place the blessings in the world as you can, and know that that you do more that way than you could by any other action, physically or other, in the world. And as you do this, you also are enhancing yourself. Because every time you become a living instrument of blessing and joy and peace in the world and with another person, you open yourself up to receive more. As you give, so shall you receive. So don't hold on to your peace or your loving or your joy. Share it. Give it out as much as you can. Because the more you give, the more you receive. And it's true. I remember when I was younger, and I would be flooded and filled with a sense of joy. I mean, joy would just come up and... It would just fill me, and I would just do everything I could to hold on to it. I didn't want it to go. I didn't want to go to the next moment because I knew it was going to go away. Something would happen in the world to call me away from it, and I'd lose it. And then it would happen, and I'd get all upset. Where'd it go? Why did I lose that? Why did you make me lose that? And then I'd get mad at them. Well, shoot, that helps the joy stay around, doesn't it? <laughs> so one day, as the joy was present, I decided to do something different. <coughs> And that was, I gave the joy to God. I said, you know, Lord, here's my joy. Here's the joy that's with me right now. I give this to you. This is really your joy. I give it to you. And the moment I gave it to, to God, God gave me all this greater joy. And all this joy just came flooding in. And I went, oh, that's good. Okay, God, I give you this joy too. And God gave me more joy. And I found something very profound. Give it up as quick as you can. <clears throat> give it to your neighbor. Give it to your loved ones. But also give it to God. And the more you give, the more you will receive. And now, in my aura, 
I have a lot of other kind of balloons. Balloons of joy, balloons of peace, balloons of grace, and they just are everywhere, ever trying to be fulfilled. And it's fun because I can walk along and I can actually feel them bouncing against my head. And I'll go, oh, that's yours, God. That's yours, God. And they just burst on through and go to God, and then God gives me another blessing, another joy, another grace, another loving. And that's how you begin to live in neutrality and live in balance and live in harmony and live in consistency. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have challenges in the physical world, that your body's not going to have certain challenges, but it means that you will always have this consciousness moving through you that you're ever living within as you go through these events in the physical world. And it makes the events of the physical world easier to live in and to do and to fulfill or to let go if that's what's necessary. So I would just ask you to also look at that and realize that it isn't giving that you receive. You know, those that hoard on to things, money, love, joy, peace, grace, gratitude, they get nothing but what they hold in their hand. And what they often find is when they open their hands up, it's gone. It's disappeared. Or it's worth less than it was worth when they first held on to it. But by giving it away, by constantly giving it away, you're just opening the door for more to come present. And that's even with money. By sharing your money with, with your loved ones, with others. But there's a, a rule here with money to pay attention to that a lot of times people lose sight of. And that is, in the world of the physical, spirit asks us to truly take care of our physical body, to be responsible for it and to it and with it. And part of that responsibility is to be able to feed it and clothe it and house it and to do whatever else we need to do in the physical to take care and nurture it. Part of that is then having the funds, the means by which, the finances by which to do that. So, part of the spiritual principle that is asked of us is if we are going to give to others to help them, that we do not give until we have an abundance from which to give. We do not give while we're in a state of lack because we are giving falsely. We are giving in an empty fashion rather than in a full fashion. You don't give from lack. You give from fullness. So you give out of abundance. Once you know that you have the funds by which to take care of yourself and to nurture yourself and to maintain the physical well-being around you and in you, then the abundance, the overflow of the finances is where you then can give to others and not harm yourself. The old spiritual principle was that you never gave more than 10% to others. Never, ever to assist to others. You never gave more than that to the poor, to the needy, to the religious, to whatever so that you never hurt yourself in any way, shape, or form. And it's better for you to give from the overflow 
and then give the 10% than to give while you're in lack and give 10%. Does that make sense? I want that to be real clear because I, I want you to understand that principle. Because a lot of people give and they hurt themselves. A very good example is this. Um, we know a gentleman who lives on Social Security and also has been giving 10% of his Social Security earnings to others and to his church and all the time hurting himself. By the end of the month, Oftentimes, for three or four or five days, he goes without food because he's given away the money that he would eat off of during that period of time to others. And he's hurt himself. We've helped him to understand how to do this differently so that he doesn't hurt himself. But he's living on a principle of misbelief that the world has put around money and giving and helped him to understand a different way of doing it so that he doesn't hurt himself anymore. And I'm sharing this with you so that if you are doing that to yourself, pay attention and don't. Take care of yourself. Nurture yourself. Feed yourself. House yourself. Give yourself good health if your money can help you to do that. And then with the overflow, give it to others if that is available and you want to do that. Now, it can look a lot of different ways. And that's for you to decide what that means. But don't hoard your money. Don't become greedy with it. Let it move through you. Let it live through you so that you can live in the movement of, of money. And one thing I started doing years and years and years ago <coughs> is... Giving to God. Not just my joy and my peace, but my money. I give all my money to God. I give my paycheck to God. I give anything in the way of money. I give it to God. You know the old story, you know, take all your money and throw it up in the air and while it's up in the air say, okay God, take whatever you want and whatever falls on the ground's mine. <laughs> well, that's kind of how I work it. <laughs> But not exactly. I give it all to God. And then I begin to use that money for my nourishment, my taking care of my body. And then for others, however that might look and be. To assist others as well. If I have an overflow at the time that I can do that with. But I always give it to God. And one way I do that is I take 10% of my income. And I give it to God. I have a separate fund and I put that money into that fund and that's my tithe to God. That's my 10% to God. And as I give to God, I find that God gives back to me in abundance and in many ways, not maybe financially, but in abundance. It's about abundance. It's not about money. And abundance is joy, peace, grace, gratitude, loving, and all these different things, not just money. So as I give, I set that aside and then I use that money for my own spiritual advancement, betterment, to either buy books or tapes or 
take trips that serve me spiritually or whatever that might be. And I also use that towards my retirement so that I'm taking care of myself into the future so that in the future I will have the funds by which to be able to maintain the body, to take care of it, to create an environment where I can continue my meditation and nurture myself physically as well as spiritually. Does that all make sense? So, it starts with you. Take care of yourself first. And the one way you can take care of yourself first is your meditation. And then begin to look and see how you can take care of yourself physically, emotionally, and mentally. And then from there, reach out to your mate, your children, your family, and so on. And let the energy move in that direction. So I've been kind of sharing with you both from the level of the hierarchy and the lords of karma and about the events that are about to come upon the planet as well as what you can do personally to assist in this process as well as how you can take care of yourself in all of this. Does that make sense? Has, am I kind of clear on that? So are there any questions on this right now? Anything or anything you'd want to share right now about anything on this, Rose? Oh, we'll bring a mic for you. <coughs> okay. Um, I just want to thank you uh, for clarifying all of that in terms of putting yourself first, in terms of taking care of yourself, because. That part of me that knows that has been in charge of that inside of me. But then the part of me that bought into a different way of thinking is always there sort of beating up that part of me that's going <laughs> to do it the way I think is right. So it's, it's just kind of uh, like a relief in a way to know that I am really following, because I'll follow it anyway, even if. I think I'm doing something wrong according to someone I might respect or love or whatever uh, if I think in, inside that it's wrong as much as I love them and respect them and all that. And I just thank you for when I, because I, I heard the truth in your words, not just because it agrees with what I was thinking, but there's a truth in that, that like, yeah, that's true according to my experience. Because I've done that giving because this is the rule. This is what you do if you want to be a good this or a good that, a good spiritual person or whatever. And I didn't, the promise or whatever that promise might be, I didn't experience that. The things that were supposed to come as a result of doing it that way. And... Um, but I do, I have experienced it when I, I give of my overflow, when I have some extra. And I give joyfully. And I, ha I have lots of ways that I give. You know, I may not have a lot of money all the time. But even when I don't have that much, there's still ways that I give all the time. And so that's giving of like the overflow without it being like har harmful to myself. And so that's how I've kind of done this sort of walk for a while but there's always been this other part going but you're not doing it the way that you know 
<laughs> so thank you. Thank you very much. Anybody else get beat up by those words? <laughs> yeah, there's those other little balloons in our air. <laughs> yes. In, in doing um, this way, uh, does one rely on um, spontaneity rather and just a general sense of one's well-being uh, and, and avoid, I would think, getting into evaluating and um, analyzing uh, as a clinical thing, but also bearing intuition and spontaneity? I would say move with the spirit rather than the mind. The mind is rigid and has all these rules and regulations by which it wants you to do. And the spirit is spontaneous and it is in the moment. And if we can be more receptive and vulnerable to that movement, we're going to find our lives to be a life filled with grace and ease. But if we're following the mind, we're always following in rigidity and there's a harshness and a hardness to it that isn't in the freedom of spirit. So I would say yes, definitely move in that spontaneity and you'll find that it is a lot easier to do. And I hear you uh, imply that uh, that open door spirit flow uh, opens wide as uh, being faithful to our meditation. Say that again? The open door of spirit flowing opens wide as uh, we are faithful to our meditation. Definitely. Thank you. Definitely. That it, That is the door. To, that's the way to open the door for that flow to happen. It, it's really funny. I remember years ago when I used to do the tithing, the 10% to the church type of thing. I tithe, and part of the thing that I learned is that the more you tithe, the more you'll get back financially, so I figured, hey, the more I give, you know, the more I'll get back financially. I did it so much, I went bankrupt, you know, so <laughs> I know Jim was talking a little bit about my experience with giving, because I went beyond tithing and even started a process of where people, I was taught in one place to actually give money as you pray for something to happen, so you give 10% to pray ahead of time, then you give 10% of the tithe of what you receive, so I was doing it on both sides of the deal. You know, and it's just right on down. Because I was really looking at it as a, too mentalizing it, of saying, okay, this is a scientific formula. If I do this, this is going to happen. And, you know, it just got to the point where all of a sudden that was it. You know, when you get to the point where you just kind of lose everything, that changes everything. So thank God that happened because it, it is. At, at that point, it changed everything. And at that point, based upon my experience, I realized, you know, this doesn't work. I need to start reevaluating and looking how I can do this differently. And actually, it was just after that, back when I first moved here in the beginning of 97, Jim did the first talk. It's actually on the Abundance One tape where he actually talked about tithing and the way he did it, like he just explained now. And when I first heard that, because I was here in the Tuesday night with that, that just transformed it and gave me a whole new perspective. And from that day forward, it started this whole process of filling my own chalice first until it's overflowing, and it's been different ever since. But I had to go to the nth degree with the other one to really know, you know, from my own experience. Because I, 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 I'm some person who will follow something through to completion. And so I took it to that nth degree.
to find out. I was physicalizing it too much. And so the idea of also being intuitive or spontaneous with things is also a very important element because you can really analyze your total income and also your, your expenses, but that only is physical. If you open up to the other levels and realize that this process of receiving and giving is not only physical or financial, but also it includes all the other realms inside of ourselves. It expands everything. I mean, how do you give 10% of your emotions? How do you tie that? You get, I have no idea. But if you allow yourself to really expand and realize this chalice of fill your own cup first is multidimensional, physical, imagination, just like the meditation, added, causal, mental, etheric, soul, spirit. You know, it's just all these levels. If you can think of your chalices at full beingness, in, in meditation, you open up to allow the whole beingness to be filled. That means is that it overflows, that it overflows on every level, physically, and that includes finances, imagination, emotionally, mentally, unconsciously, solically, spiritually. So it's on every single level. If you can expand, then it really does, it has to be spontaneous and intuitive or truly the movement of that direct experience with God's loving. It just has to be if you're really fulfilling it to every level of consciousness like that. But if you allow yourself the opportunity to really experience it that way, then you can really experience it that way, fully, on every level. So let the financial part, I even suggest, it's, it's a suggestion to work with 10%. It's a suggestion. But work with it in a way and find a flow and rhythm that works for you, no matter what it is, whether it's financially or Otherwise, find a flow that works for you. Just like we talk about meditation here in Inner Light Ministries, tithe 10% of your day to meditation. Give that time to God. Sit down and meditate for 10% of the day, which comes out to two hours and 24 minutes, which is why we suggest, we say just two and a half hours to round it up. I figure give a few minutes on either side to sit down and get ready and a few minutes to come out of it, right? So you got two hours and 24 minutes. That's the way I look at it. And that's one of the reasons we do that. But how many, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, how many of you really give 10% of your day time to God? I don't do it every day. I almost do. But it's just like, I know I'll still fall short, but then there's other days I do more. It's because you've got to find your own rhythm, whatever that is. And maybe some of you, it is every day and you have that really regular. And it's all fine, whatever it is. It's up to you to really find what really works for you. Whatever that is, even 10 minutes a day of filling your chalice spiritually, tithing that 10 minutes a day to God. Every bit counts, whatever level that you want to work it on, and that's up to you to work with. But I'm just saying, what we're sharing here is to let it be on every level. Work on all the levels. Don't limit yourself to just physically or financially, but on every level. And then experience how wonderful it is that even on a financial level then, that God's loving can even move when you have this overflow of even money, financial abundance that you can give. Then when you give money to some type of good cause or whatever it is you want to give it to, anything, that this loving, this abundance of loving goes with that gift of money that you're giving. And that's where I've witnessed the greatest transformation is when I've been able to give money with this overflow of loving on that money. And truly, I don't have the attachment. It's like just giving money. Just a little while ago, I had a couple hundred dollars and I had all this love with me and I threw the money at somebody. And I just felt all this love just go out and this joy 
that came over me in this person that I was doing this action with. And it was such a wonderful experience. Are you kidding me? $200 just a few years ago to just throw money like that? There's no way. I would have just said, no way. That's mine. I need that. But to have that type of abundance of loving and then also have a level where financially it reflected that way because that was part of my learning was with money. That's why I went into the whole bankruptcy and now starting to learn another side of it. So it's going to be each of us. That was my learning. Yours may not be money. Yours may be something else, or it may be money. But that's up for you to discover, but to be open and to just work with whatever is yours. And have fun with it. Have joy with it. Experiment. Don't make it a hardship. This is not a have to. This is not something you have to learn, you have to do. This is something to play with. It's an experiment. Experiment with it. Find your joy. Find your flow. Find how the loving moves in you and through you in whatever way that is. And then it'll be a really joyful process for you. And it does. When you really do that, your life will transform. And then it'll be a joy, not a burden. So have fun with it and, and play with it. And if it's not working in one area, then try another area because that's how you'll find out is by experimenting with different areas of your life and your beingness. It's funny because as soon as he said through $200 to somebody, all these images in the room started filling. Everybody had a different picture of what was happening. And it was so funny. I was just kind of watching them all go up here. And, try, and, it was, it, and they were coming up and they were testing against his aura and that, what he knows to see if it was true or not. Every one of your images came up here and kind of bounced against it to see, was this right? Was this right? It was $20 bills, 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still got a lot of images out there in question, but anyway, it was a nice action. Did you? Well, does this principle flow from what you said earlier, Jim, uh, just giving your entire self to God, yeah. uh, the money and all of it? And I think somewhere there's the idea of being emptied out so we can be filled up. But using our consciousness is where we discern the amount as... as uh, as knowingness flows through us, uh, the amount or in, of different things, money, emotions, time, whatever, it's just to discern what part of that, which is all belongs to God anyway, well, the, uh, to the, distribute. The key of discernment is discerning the difference between the ego and the spirit. The ego will tell us one thing so that we look good in the world and feel good in the world about ourselves. And the spirit will tell us something else. Oftentimes, I'll pull up to a corner and there'll be somebody who's asking for money because they're homeless. And uh, there's this part of me that just wants to reach in my pocket and give them what I can. And yet I know the greatest thing I can do is to give them a blessing. To just ask the light to be with them and to assist them however it can. And that's going to do them long term more good than a few dollars. Yes, a few dollars could help them and there are times when I give them the money as well. But there's a lot of guys on the street and, and ladies too that have a lot of balloons in their auras and one day <laughs> they will pop in their aura and fulfill. But uh, they're there. And there's this one corner and this one guy, he's got a lot of balloons. <laughs> he's in for a big surprise one day. So... You know, if you don't have the funds and you see people on the streets, send them light, send them loving. Ask for God's blessing to assist them, however that might be. That's the greatest gift you can give anybody, anytime, anywhere. 
You want to pass the mic to Ann? I just wanted to say on, on that same thing, if you can look them in the eye and smile. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, let them see the blessing coming to them. I've been, I've been, I've had feedback that that means a great deal that so many of us, when we don't have money to give, look away and <laughs> sneak by, so to speak. And that if instead it's a blessing, if you can give it to them directly and let them see that you're seeing them and that you care, I, I don't suppose that's... It makes a big difference because you're, you're honoring the spirit of who they are. You're acknowledging them and, and loving that, which they are. So many people look away out of shame, out of fear, um, and, and that doesn't serve them and it doesn't serve us. So that's, that's good, Ann. Thank you for sharing that. The biggest key really is giving your loving. Even though we talk about money, it's really the loving because it's your loving behind giving, whether it's money or anything or a smile. It's the loving behind it is what makes the difference here. It's not about the physical object or even the physical expression. It's that energy with by which we are sharing that expression is that loving that is that comes and emanates through that. That's our beingness. That's the part that we're really... That's the part that we're always looking at first and foremost. And then as it expresses through you, it'll take on different forms at different times. But as long as you always follow the flow of the loving, and it's just simply an expression of your loving, it's always going to be good. Always. Because it is a movement of loving, no matter what it looks like. No matter what. I, I shouldn't have said smile. You don't need to smile. If you just look at them and give the yeah. blessing, you'll find you are smiling. But mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not that you should smile. I, 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 would, I didn't want to say that. I want to take that That's back. That's a good action. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any, any other questions or anything that somebody would like to share? I'm going to pass it over to Vigil. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that y'all brought that up about all the, the people on the street corners and stuff because I would... I've been dealing with that for a long time, like, you know, what to do. And I've heard different people say different things. And I'd think, oh, well, what would Jesus do? You know, and it was like, you know, if a beggar came up to his door, he fed them and all that. But I guess each case is maybe kind of different. But I thought, well, maybe I'd be doing them more harm, just giving them more money where they feel like they can make a living doing that. But, and I would like, I'd feel guilty a lot of times by not, giving them something, you know, uh, so uh, thanks a lot for sharing what you what you did, you know. I, one time I handed one of them a taco, I had an extra taco laying there, and I just, you know, gave him that, so, you know, you took off and action. ate it, so. That's great. <laughs> I know one person who carries um, uh, those 24 cases, 24 bottles of uh, water in a case, uh -huh. and wherever they go and they see homeless people, they just hand them out. Mm -hmm. And they they figure that that's one of the nice things that they can do, and assist them that way. So find what works for you. So they, I guess they're just going through their karmic thing, and they're oh, just yeah. doing their. I talked to one gentleman, and he loves being homeless. He would he could not stand being confined to one residence, one job, one location for a long period of time. He loves being outside. He loves being able to move around and go to different cities and he loves his life. Mm -hmm. And 
and he has the system worked out, and he, he knows how to work it, and he survives very well. And, you know, we would not necessarily want to live that way, but he's happy. So we don't know. You know, we don't know where they really are or what's really happening for them. And, and so if, if we can just accept them for who they are and how they are and realize that they have their karmas and their ways of living that out, and we have to give them permission to do that and not try to promote change. I, I remember, boy, when I was in my early 20s, I thought I'd really help out this one man that was in need. And uh, I've never shared this before, but I, I actually I helped him get an apartment and get a job, and he was working, and I, I told him, you know, I, I would take care of him for four months, and then he needed to start paying rent and all that. I figured by then he would be able to cover it. And um, and he came up and he paid two months of rent, so we were into the sixth month going towards the seventh. And uh, he called me one day and he says, you better come over here. I need to talk to you. And he said, you know, I've been trying to make you happy. And the more I've been trying to make you happy, the worse I'm feeling. I can't make you happy anymore. I've got to be happy myself. So if I were you, I would go talk to the office and let them know that we're going to give up the apartment because I'm going to go back on the street. He says, I don't like this life. <laughs> and he says, if anything, you've helped me realize why I'm here, why I, was, why I was on the street in the first place. Because I don't like having to work. I don't like having a boss over me. I don't like having to pay rent. <laughs> and I learned a lot from just, that little conversation with him. He says, it was so funny because he says, I'm tired of trying to make you happy. <laughs> and I thought, ooh, what's going on here? What have I done? Lesson I hope learned. <laughs> and, and that could also be, couldn't it, the, the last end of their karmic destiny or something. Maybe they haven't yeah. filled that role and that's part of it. Huh? I, so, I met a woman who... Um, had been a beggar in another lifetime and had sat in front of the gates of uh, the palace of Babylon and begged for money. <clears throat> and, uh, and when I met her, she was in a bus station and I had taken someone in there and I was sitting there with him waiting for the bus to come. And she was there and I realized she was homeless just by how she was living and things she was carrying. And so I started talking to her, and, and she told me, she said, I remember very clearly being a beggar in many lifetimes, and I like it. I love, I love it because I love it when somebody gives me something. It's a gift, you know. And she said, sometimes the gifts are sticky, and sometimes gifts are light and airy, and sometimes gifts are dark, and sometimes gifts are real glittery. And she says, I just love to get the gifts to see what they're going to be like. And they're different every time. And I thought, wow, you know, she's living in a wonderful place. How many people would love to have that kind of awareness, to know her past lives and know, you know, that she's chosen into this again because she loves participating in this exchange of energy. And, and she felt that she was serving people because they needed some place to, to feel good about themselves and she was a place where they could do that. And so I thought, wow, God bless her. She's doing a great, great service for us.
So why don't we go ahead and bring it to a close because it's right at 9 o'clock. And um, why don't we close it with a, a blessing for the night. So if you want to just close your eyes for a moment. Lord God, at this time we open, we open in a way of receiving, to be vulnerable to the movement of your Spirit. And as we open, we also open to share, to share our gratitude, our loving, our joy, our peace, to share any and all things that we are, that we want, with you. We lift it all up to you with gratitude. And as we open to share, we also open to receive, to allow your blessings, your bounty, your grace and compassion, your mercy, your loving and forgiveness, and all that you are into our lives and into our consciousness. And as those blessings come forward, we just offer them back up to you once again. As we receive, so shall we give, and as we give, so shall we receive. We enter into that river of love, allowing ourselves to be in the eternal movement of love. And as we are filled to overflowing with all that is, we allow ourselves to move into the sharing of that abundance, that bounty, that grace and loving with all those around us, to share of the overflow, so that they too might partake and be filled as we are being filled to overflowing. We ask as well that at this time your blessings move in us and through us in this state of overflow, to go out into the world, to bless this day, to bless the actions of this day and the results of this day, and that the blessings upon the results of the day go forward into tomorrow and the day after and the day after. And may those blessings manifest and may those blessings magnify into greater blessings for all of humanity However, according to thy will, you wish it to manifest. We just ask that we be living instruments of your loving and of this manifestation. And for this we are grateful. And so it is. All right, thanks. That wasn't what I was going to talk about tonight. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. <laughs> thanks a lot.